Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who has sent thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. A portion of God's word, which we consider this Palm Sunday, the Holy Spirit caused the prophet Zechariah to write for our comfort and our learning. We place a special, well, I'll read to you the text again. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sing, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Our ancient Christian fathers gave names to all of the days of the week before Easter so that we might all better take into our hearts who our Savior is and might more diligently claim him as our own and follow the example of his great humility. Because we see him this week in the form of a slave, though he was in the form of God. He is God and has the form or appearance of God, but he hides his appearance as God and shows the appearance only of his humanity and his humility. Yesterday, John tells us that Jesus visited the house of Mary and Martha and Bethany, where whose brother Lazarus Jesus had raised from the dead. And there Martha took a pound of expensive perfume and poured it on the feet of Jesus, all of it, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the fragrance of it filled the house. Can you imagine what beautiful conversation Jesus had with Lazarus, who was once dead, as he was about to face the death that Lazarus had already faced and overcome by Jesus' word. Therefore, the ancients gave Jesus the name of lovely guest, so that we might welcome into our hearts this guest who raises the dead and goes to die for us. And we might pour on him all of our tears and fears by faith, which is a sweet and fragrant aroma to Jesus, and fill our hearts with love for him who loved us and loves us still. Today, as we will soon delve into more deeply, Jesus is named the humble king who draws near to the brokenhearted and saves such as are crushed in spirit. On Monday, the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery whom the law of Moses said they ought to stone. But Jesus tells them, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and left, oldest to youngest, 
until Jesus was all alone with the terrified woman. And Jesus asked her, Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so Jesus gains the name Merciful Judge. Because when the world and the law accuse of sin, Jesus takes our side because he has come to bear the sin of the world. On Tuesday, Jesus' disciples admire the temple and all of its stones. And Jesus tells them that the day will come when not one stone is left upon another, just as he had wept over Jerusalem, longing for them to know the day of his visitation. And that day, the disciples also saw that the fig tree Jesus had cursed the day before was on Tuesday entirely withered. And so Jesus has the name of wise prophet, because he knows what is coming on all unbelief and fruitlessness of men, and warns us all to repent. And yet cheerful he to suffering goes, that he his foes from thence might free. On Wednesday, Judas goes to the chief priests to betray Jesus, and they agree to give him 30 pieces of silver, a hefty sum for so evil a work, as Zechariah prophesied, so they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver, that princely price they set on me. And so we call him a treasure sold, so that we might learn to repent of valuing any treasure more than the priceless treasure that Jesus is for us, and find him still precious when all earthly things have been lost. On Thursday, Jesus gives to his church his holy supper, the body he would give to die, and the blood he would shed to pay for our great debt of sin. And so we call him the bread of life, because our souls feed on him when we hunger and thirst for righteousness we need to live. On Friday, Jesus endured the pain and wrath and sorrow of the cross in our place. And so we call him the slaughtered lamb, because he is the true Passover lamb whose blood marks our conscience so that the angel of death must pass by. On Saturday, we call him a grain of wheat, according to his own words. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So Jesus lies in the ground on Saturday, a grain of wheat ready to sprout into life and thereby teaches us not to fear losing our own lives, that is, repenting of who we are and what we have done, because that is how Jesus plants us in himself and plants himself in us, so that we might live not by our own life and good, but by the good and life that he provides without cost and freely to poor sinners. On Sunday we call him the mighty lion, as Jesus says in Revelation, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. The Lamb has become the Lion, overcoming sin and death in his resurrection. And as Jacob promised of Judah, he is a Lion who is also called Shiloh, the Man of Peace, and to him will be the obedience of the people. Take these names with the history of your Lord's suffering this week into your hearts, brothers and sisters. Because this is the name that endured and still endures much shame but is now glorified in heaven and in the hearts of all those who still cry to him, Hosanna, which means save now. It is the name that is above every name, the lovely guest of broken hearts, the humble king of poor sinners, 
the merciful judge of those who have been condemned, the wise prophet who warns us of the wrath to come, the treasure sold for so little but worth more than all the world, the living bread and bread of life who feeds us when our conscience can give our souls nothing to sustain us, but he does, because he is the true Passover lamb, the lamb slaughtered for us to turn away the angel of death and give us joy in the forgiveness of our sins. He is the seed of wheat that dies only to sprout and bear much grain. And he is the mighty lion of Judah who conquers sin and death for us. And he is Jesus, the name given by the angel, whose name means the Lord saves because he does. Let us look at how he comes to us today so that we might know this name that is above every name, which if we call upon it, saves us. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. But look at how he comes to us as our humble, lowly king. Let the prophet Zechariah teach us how to welcome our king rightly into our hearts. First, he tells us to rejoice greatly, not to fear. Because there is no greater joy than welcoming this king into your heart. I don't care what anybody has experienced, what euphoria, what joy, what rapture, what ecstasy. There is no greater joy than this king taking residence and being a guest in your heart. Just as Israel welcomed him into Jerusalem, the children sang for joy, and the people took off their coats and cut branches from palms to welcome him. Now you may say, I have no reason to rejoice. I have this sadness and this sin which I can't overcome. Or you can say, I'm basically happy. I don't see the need for this king coming to me. But the prophet says, no, you are wrong. Take off your coat, the old man and his pride and despair, and throw it down before this king for him to trample on. And know that he comes to give you that joy which no man can take from you, no matter if you feel it now or not. And second, he calls to the children of God, the children of Zion, the church, daughter of Jerusalem, those who are born in the church. You are in the church, in Zion, right now. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, there I am in the midst of you. God calls, God is enlightens, and sanctifies his church through the word of God. So do not doubt that God is telling you to rejoice and to sing and to shout to him. You have been baptized into one body, into Zion, by the Holy Spirit. If you have left the church with doubt and sin, yet now you have come back. If you have stained your baptismal robes with shame and unbelief and vices, then again I say, let us cast off the works of darkness together. You are gathered with sinners who all need to repent. So let us put off what is earthly in us. All the shame and the sadness, the false joys of this world that fade into pain. Let us repent and confess our sins knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This king, before whose feet you throw that old man in that garment, will surely tread our iniquities under his feet as we cast our coats before him. And he is your king who is coming to you. That is what the prophet says. He is a king who is lowly and not full of splendor and shows of power. And he comes not in the form and, and glory of the almighty God, at whose appearance every man would shrink away in fear. He does not come with the splendor of someone who would judge you, but in the form of a servant, a slave, doing the will of God constantly and patiently in your place. And he rules not with force, 
and violence and war and taxation, but with gentleness, grace, mercy, giving all that he has to the Father for you. That is your king. He is your king when you sing, Hosanna, save now. He is your king when you believe he is your king. He is your king before that, but only believe it. Claim this name that the world calls poor and still mocks and still ignores, but at which every knee shall bow. Bow to this name now. Kneel with your heart, and you will have the King of kings and Lord of lords ruling with meekness and gentleness over your soul. As the prophet says, he comes to you. He comes for you. Do not doubt it. It does not matter if you believe it or not. He still comes for you, but believe it. Let your heart take courage against every failure to love God, against every sin that you are afraid of, against every doubt in your heart, and against the death that comes certainly for all men. This king comes to you precisely for you. He had you in mind when he came that day into Jerusalem on a lowly donkey in lowly pomp to die as we sing. He had you in mind when he showed himself so meek and humble and willing to take your place and suffer for your sin. He had you in mind when he did not answer every charge that was made against him because he took every charge against you upon himself. This is the love of God which the world does not know. You do not bring him to you. He brings himself to you. He loves you. He comes for you lowly. And how does he come righteous and having salvation? He has the righteousness you lack, the goodness. He has the salvation you need. He has the law in his heart, that law which requires of you love. But he has the love. He has it perfectly. The law that condemns you for your sin. The law that pushes aside your excuses and shows you that God sees all and knows your heart. And yet he comes to be condemned. He has salvation, words of eternal life, bestowing mercy to all. And all who believe in him have it. Trust in him. Sing to him. Rejoice in him who comes to you so lowly and yet righteous and having salvation. <coughs> because he comes lowly, riding on a donkey. He doesn't come with tanks and chariots. He doesn't come like Aladdin into that city in that movie. He doesn't come with pomp and circumstance. He comes with peace, ends war. It cuts off the chariot and battle bow, tanks and guns. And his rule is what he speaks. His reign is what he says. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. There is no place under heaven where he does not rule. He pierces into all of these countries that ban Christianity. He pierces into cities that ban the preaching of the gospel. He comes and he rules with his word. From every tribe, tongue, and people. To all, he speaks the peace that is the removal of hostility between us and God. The end of our hearts warring with God. Because his heart has given us his only begotten son to be our servant and to give his life as a ransom for us. As Zechariah says, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. He comes to shed his blood. He comes to give his life. He does not love his life on this earth, but he gives it up for you, so he finds your life.
So this king comes with freedom from sin and its bondage. You say you have sinned and you have seen it increase in your life. You have struggled against it, and yet it has risen up again, as Jesus says, out of the heart, out of your own mind. You can't blame the world. You can't blame the situation around you. You have only yourself to blame for the bonds of your sins. You have only yourself to rue for your choices and your decisions and the sin that keeps you in a waterless pit. But what does he say? I will give you double. As Paul says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So this come, king comes to face the bondage of your sin, to be bound for you to the cross, and to win for you by his blood freedom from the waterless pit, to set the prisoner free by saying, I forgive you your sins. There is nothing to bind you to despair. There is nothing to bind you to unbelief. There is nothing to bind you to doubt about God. There is nothing to bind you to fear of the grave. Because he comes with a drink for a thirst that will, for a thirst for something more than water. He gives what slakes our souls and not merely our throats. And it is the blood that he shed that washes us clean and fills our hearts with the knowledge of God's wrath being all turned away and death being overcome and conquered. And all of his children being gathered together to sing this simple song of praise. Save us. Save now. Hosanna. All of his heart is turned to help you. To comfort you. And to teach you to bless this holy king and sing to him with joy. Return to the stronghold. Return to this fortress, our king. In the Old Testament, there were cities which, if you committed a crime, manslaughter or something, then the family had the right to kill you. It was like, kind of like vigilante justice, but not really because the family has authority, right? But there were cities set apart where if you fled to them, no one was allowed to go in there to get you. The family could not enter to take vengeance because in that city you were safe. And the moment you stepped out, then those hunters of your blood, those avengers would be there to get you. But as long as you were in that city, you were safe and you would not pay for your crime. So Jesus is our stronghold, our free city, to which we flee for refuge and we hide in his wounds and wash our robes and make them white again in his blood. And we will no longer be prisoners of sins that have held us bondage in bondage in the past, but we will be his prisoners, prisoners of hope, slaves of Christ, bound to him by faith, trusting in him to give us all we need, all he rode into Jerusalem to accomplish for us, for me, for you, for sinners. What a wonderful week. Begins with this joy and these children singing. I think it's wonderful. The Pharisees went after the kids, said they're singing Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus said, if I, and he told Jesus to, they told Jesus to make them be quiet. And Jesus said, if they were quiet, then these stones would cry out. To hear children singing. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let us all be children this week. Let us have that simplicity and humility which Jesus showed us from the beginning to the end of his life, from the manger to the cross to the grave. But let us begin it with joy. 
Let us take courage to follow the example of Christ's great humility. Go where Jesus goes, and you will feel sorrow. You will have to face your sin and the knowledge of it. You will have to face pain, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. No other work you have to do this week or your entire life is as precious and needful for you and helpful to you as the work Jesus rides into Jerusalem to do for you. So let us put off the old man with his selfish obsession with all things himself, with his prideful opinion that what he does is worth more than what this humble king has done for us. Let us put off his sinful bad habits and hard heart and repent and throw our coats beneath the feet of Jesus. Let us throw palms of victory beneath him because he has surely won for us a kingdom that will have no end. And let our prayers be our palms, prayers that say, Amen, it shall be so. Yes, yes, it shall be so. God will do this. He will win for us. He will hear our hosannas, our save nows, and all that he accomplishes in his son's life, suffering, and death will be our victory forever. We will, knee, we will kneel, bend the knee at Jesus on that day. His name will be above every name, and we will know it. Our salvation will be in that name, and we will sing that name with sweet joy forever. Amen.